Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best founders and investors to help you scale your business from 1 million to 1 trillion. Today's guest is a very special one. Uh, been in touch with him for a very long time. They've been trying to have him on the show also for, for a long time, and I'm super happy that we finally were, were able to make it. I'm sure that you will really, really enjoy. He's a very wise and very experienced uh, person that I have the luxury to tap in. His name is Michael Siedler, the co-founding partner at Red Alpine. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, uh, Mike. I'm all I'm flattered and I'm a little, little bit uh, blushing when you say wise. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the audience will understand what I'm talking about because I've spent some hours uh, with you so far over the years. Uh, not not all, all at the same time, but from time to time we were speaking and i'm sure that people will really really enjoy what you what you have to share and, and the impact that you have that you are making so let's get to know more about you for the ones who didn't have the luxury that i have um, to 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 be in touch with you uh, who is michael yeah, michael i mean an interesting question there um <laughs> when i go through my cv um basically my passion early on was um biology, molecular biology. Uh, I followed typically in my career, I have really a couple of turns and I followed my passion mostly. So I uh, decided to go to study biology. I did that, I did a PhD eventually in the field of molecular biology, uh, more precisely with plants. Um, nevertheless, I also learned that uh, I have a very broad uh, field of interest and it's probably a little bit too uh, introvert to stay in a lab and to research a couple of genes and so i had the fantastic opportunity to join the boston consulting group in 1998 um, as a as a rookie i had no clue and i received a fantastic education on the job as well um, really an, an in, incredibly um experience an incredible experience i have to say i've never learned as much as fast in my life before <laughs> and afterwards um that was during the dot-com bubble so i spent five years with the bcg from 98 to 2003 mm -hmm. i invested my money into startups uh into tech companies during the bubble i made a lot of money and then i lost it all at the end of the the bubble wow. uh that didn't change my fascination for tech disruption startups entrepreneurship at all i left bcg after five years and i joined a biotech startup diagnostic startup in switzerland um, i kept doing angel investments uh, i did actually kind of venture investment corporate venturing for that startup company because that made uh, really a lot of money with one product and I invested the product in to acquire other companies, parts of companies, or also to finance startups. So that's that's basically where, where I got more and more into the field. And by doing angel investments, I uh, yeah came, came together with other people in the angel field. And we decided, and that is then just you know, the, the leading to, to the foundation of, of Red Alpine, we observe there is so much innovation in Europe and it's getting so poorly commercialized. 
uh, we decided to change that. And that's why we, we founded Red Alpine as a professional VC in 2006. And since then have been investing in European seed and early stage startups um, in, in a very wide variety from FinTech to biotech. Sounds, sounds amazing. And uh, in 2016, 16 was, uh, sorry, 2006 was kind of uh, even uh, before the, the big wave started in, in the beginning of the 2000, let's say 2012, 2013, that's when things started, started to accelerate in the European ecosystem. So you have been here uh, not since the beginning, before uh, the beginning of, uh, of the wave. Uh, that's, that's really uh, impressive. And, and for the ones who also want to know more about uh, Red Alpine, what is your current uh, thesis? Uh, what 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 is more important to you in terms of uh, your portfolio at the moment? Any any companies that you like would like to highlight from your portfolio? Yeah, all the companies are listed on our website, so I'll go and check it out. Uh, the the thesis, the most important uh, investment criteria by far is the quality of the founding team. Uh, we come over and over to the same conclusion again. Uh, obviously, the tech has to be good quite clearly. Uh, the market has to be there. Uh, the, the business model has to be very scalable. That, that's all, all clear. Nevertheless, uh, the, the big difference, we would say the, the future success depends to 60 to 70% uh, on the quality of the founding team. That's super important. Um, current companies that are well known and that are thriving, um, obviously, I mean, it's, it's a classical one, but it's N26. That was one of our first investments. Um, or we have invested in the first round there. And uh, another one is TaxFix, for example. Yep. Um, those are a couple of examples. Right. And currently, we, we, we really like we really like the convergence of software and health or life science, health tech. So uh, everything in the field of digital health, digital therapeutics, uh, also food technology um, and the likes. That's that's really a, a sweet spot that we are seeing a lot and doing a lot right now. Sounds amazing. And you said that um, Red Alpine started with this passion for um, to, to, to kind of leverage the innovation that Europe was creating, but was not able to commercialize and, and to scale it. Um, can, you, can you please share a little bit more about what has been your, your views about the evolution since you started in 2006 and even before we, you were doing uh, angel investment, so you were even connected with, with uh, the ecosystem even before you started uh, Red Alpine, what has been the evolution? Because I think that you have a unique angle about uh, what were the different decades of evolution of the European ecosystem in terms of venture capital and technology and innovation. Yeah, Europe has come a very long way. Um, there has been a huge maturation process that has happened over the last, uh, let's say 15 years. Um, we are firm believers that if we want to keep our level of uh, wealth and uh, just uh, our, our, the level of how we live, the standard of living, we need to have innovation and we need to be able to commercialize that. And we need to have startups that create jobs. You know, we cannot rely on the 
old successes of Europe, we have to create new successes. Um, it's super important. And um, the, the kind of funny thing is Europe has everything it takes. We just don't exploit it properly enough still. I mean, we have the education, we have the money, we have the innovation, we have the infrastructure, we have everything, but we're still not a superpower when it comes to creating unicorns, but we are getting there. Um, yeah. And um, so, uh, you know, obviously besides uh, trying to make money or wanting to make a return with our investments, we also want to change the world. Uh, quite clearly, it sounds cheesy, but we believe that um, we have to embrace uh, startups, entrepreneurship much more in Europe. And uh, the, the evolution that you mentioned um, yeah. in the beginning, when we started, the biggest uh, challenge for a startup was to raise the first million. Now, the biggest challenge is to raise maybe a 10 million round. Mm -hmm. uh, it has changed completely. You have the best and the brightest of the top universities in Europe who want to start startups or want to join startups. That has not right. been uh, a normal uh, 15 years ago. So there is a paradigm shift happening in the society. There, is a, there are great returns. European VCs have uh, returns which are on par or even larger, better than the US uh, role models right now because Europe is catching up and there is a, a lot of room uh, for everyone that wants to move in. And I have to say here, 90% yeah. of all the large financing rounds um, are either driven or at least with the participation of US and Asian investors. So huge amounts of money are flowing to Europe to finance European startups it's a quite an ambivalent situation. Uh, on the right. one side, it shows how attractive European startups are, exactly, and also what we create in Europe. That this is is uh, on a on a really good level globally. It also shows, on the other hand, that we are not exploiting that properly, uh, because the returns are then also flowing back to the US and, and to Asia. Right. And and maybe to conclude that, uh, it, yeah. it, I always say. The same thing, but if a European country like the Ukraine needs satellite coverage uh, due to the geopolitical situation, it's ridiculous if we need to call an entrepreneur in the Silicon Valley. The Europeans need to be able to do that themselves. So we have to create those technologies that make us independent of uh, these kind of uh, countries and, and situations. Absolutely, and uh, definitely the same is not happening in happening in the U.S. and Asia that they are uh, receiving a lot of investment from uh, European funds and and getting their entrepreneurs uh, coming to Europe to um, to have the returns here. Uh, it it could be a kind of the the next evolution, and not only being able to fund the um, our current successes or or our seeds of success, our young entrepreneurs or uh, even senior entrepreneurs who have great innovation to, to share, but also being able to start attracting uh, people that wants to start and scale a company um, in Europe or from Europe to the world, right? Even, even better. Awesome. Absolutely. Uh, Love love the the perspective, and I think that it's also interesting to um, 
you are based in in Zurich uh, you also have here the kind of the Swiss angle I even think that the first unicorn at the time was mind maze uh, in in Switzerland or more or less um, so I even remember that year when when Switzerland at, at the first uh, unicorn not sure if 2015 2016 uh, more or less around that I was doing some events uh, about the European ecosystem at the time and I invited uh, a person to speak from from mind maze at, at one of the events that I was organizing so what is kind of your your feeling and and also your your um, perspective on the evolution of the Swiss ecosystem within the European uh, ecosystem Okay. Um, yeah, it's true. We're we're based in Zurich, in Switzerland. Nevertheless, we're a European-wide investor. Right. The majority of our investments are in Germany. So let's say thirty percent of our investments are in Switzerland, and seventy percent is somewhere in Europe. Uh, much of it in Germany. We have investments in in Spain, France, UK. Mm -hmm. um, so we're definitely considering. Uh, Germany and Switzerland to be our home turf, but uh, oh, again, we are investing pan Europe, and we're a pan European investor. Um, the Swiss ecosystem is is even more special than the European. I would not even, but nevertheless, I would not very much separate it because it's so tightly intertwined. We have uh, absolutely world class universities in Switzerland. Uh, there's a lot of money. There's fantastic infrastructure. Um, and the Swiss are notoriously un underselling themselves. Um, recently, there was an analysis of Deal Room uh, about um, mm -hmm. unicorns in, in Europe. And um, it turned out that the highest number of unicorns per capita in Europe are in Sweden and in Switzerland. So uh, Switzerland has many unicorns. But we're more complaining about what we don't have instead of celebrating what we have. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, so there are really, I mean, interesting uh, developments happening. Uh, and it, it was up until recently when somebody uh, went and counted and listed the unicorns that uh, started in Switzerland, that it was even not even known to the public uh how much unicorn how many unicorns there are so it's interesting i mean i would view switzerland very much uh, in, in in the context of the overall european development quite clearly there are a number of specialties um all around the life science industry which is extremely strong in switzerland so that's definitely yeah. an, a very strong cluster there notably built up without the support of any governmental organizations so it happened by the market, by right. the standard conditions, uh, the, 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 the conditions in, in the market and not because some governmental agency was, was supporting it financially. Um, so, yeah, but again, it's, it's really moving fast and we're uh, proudly seeing that uh, the seeds that have been sown 15 years ago or, or earlier uh, basically are now bearing fruits. So it's good to see. What, what we lack is still large growth financing rounds. Mm -hmm. um, and that's uh, where we have now started to take again a pioneering role at Red Alpine with a large uh, fund 
that this um, yeah, it's it's a different animal than the typical closed and early stage funds we do. Right. No, it's it's good to see because when we see to the to the rankings of of cities uh, that are getting the 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 majority of the of the funding rounds, we uh, keep seeing Zurich and Geneva going up um, in the ranking. Of course, the the typical London, Paris, Berlin, and then Amsterdam, Barcelona, Madrid also being there, and then we see the Nordics and we see Switzerland already being there competing uh, with, with Zurich being on in the list uh, and Geneva also uh, getting closer and closer. So uh, I, I can see the, um, that the, the ecosystem is maturing and maturing and uh, getting stronger and stronger. So that, that's amazing. As you said, uh, you are very passionate about the health and life science uh, spaces. And there are some topics that you really enjoy to talk about and that you are studying uh, trends that you see. One of them is longevity. Another one is kind of the, of the research around psychedelics and its impact. Maybe let's start with longevity. Um, where do you see opportunities? Why are you so passionate about it? Uh, what do you see in the future coming from here? What are the opportunities out there? What are you seeing? Because for, for the ones who are listening, of course, Michael sees uh, a lot of decks every single week, talks with a lot of entrepreneurs in, in the last 15, 16 uh, years, with only with Red Alpine, not, not with, with the angel investments um, before. So you are always aware about what is popping up in the market and you can see trends that the majority of us uh, are not able to see. Yeah, you're quite right. Um, we, I'm passionate about longevity and, and also the psychedelic space. Um, the, the longevity thing is, to be honest, it's a hype. It's, a, mm. it's, it's catching on fast uh, it has been undercover for a couple of years and now it's getting out and everybody's jumping on the bandwagon and uh, to be also very honest i believe uh, when you try to position the field of longevity on the gartner hype cycle curve we're just before the peak somewhere um uh, that doesn't mean that it's not interesting not at all uh, but it, it's also a strange animal i mean even longevity means like to live longer healthier so it's not just meaning uh, you 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 live longer but you're you're still sick it means like mm -hmm. you expand your lifespan and your health span so that's that's the important definition there and um, then you can say everything which makes a healthy person able to extend the health and lifespan is longevity so by by defining it like that you can say even brushing your teeth is longevity which actually is, is probably true it also mm -hmm. properly eating exercising sleeping all of that stuff is longevity mm -hmm. uh, and then there are some people who believe uh, aging can be treated like a disease mm -hmm. because there are biological mechanisms happening uh, which is true too so you can really uh, attack some of the degrading processes in your body, in your cells, um, slow them down or even revert them. Um, that, that, is, that is a good idea. And, and that leads us into the kind of the catch 22 we have. Mm -hmm. We want those longevity treatments to work 
like drugs. So that mm. means they have to be developed and tested like drugs. That means that costs billions. Right. Nevertheless, there is no insurance company to pay the bill. Um, and the consumers who should consume those treatments and drugs are actually not feeling sick. They're feeling healthy. They don't have pain pressure, which would make them open up their wallets and spend really a lot of money on those medical treatments. So I believe in order to come um, to working uh, treatments in the longevity space, we have to change the paradigm. We have to start to develop treatments for healthy people. And currently, mm -hmm. biotech and pharma are developing drugs for sick people. Right. And uh, that is a paradigm shift that needs to happen. Don't know exactly when and how this is going to happen. I just see that the way it's being done right now that does not take into account uh, who will pay the bill at the end. Right. So, and you see inside the longevity theme uh, a lot of innovation um, coming uh, in for, for the next decade, right? It could be around. Uh, drugs for healthy people instead of the, only the focus uh, on, on sick people. It could be around topics like sleeping, which is, of course, sleep is, is one of the odd topics. Uh, sometimes the, the difficult part is to find out uh, a solution for, for the problem because the problem is, is very well known and uh, a lot of people in the world can relate to that, especially now with, with, with the pace of life, with... Um, all the uncertainty, the turbulence uh, that we are living in the in the last years, uh, and that's I think that's that's when we jump also to to the mental health uh, crisis and and uh, the power of psychedelics. So, what are your views on on that? Yeah, to, to conclude on the longevity space, yeah. don't get me wrong. I believe it's the largest market humanity ever has seen. Okay, <laughs> I just believe uh, it's it's not going to be or only partially going to be able to address that market and those needs with the tools we have. So we mm -hmm. probably need to develop also new tools. And quite clearly, yes, I would say um, uh, as important as, as it is to develop um, treatments and drugs, it's also super important to have a healthy lifestyle, probably, probably even more important than, than, right. uh, than taking some, some drugs. Now, the, the funny thing in longevity is that, and I have now attended a number of conferences on that subject, and it's always the same. People just care about the hardware, you know, the body, the cells. Mm -hmm. People uh, want to stop the cells from degrading, the aging, slow down the aging process, or even reverse that. It's all about the body. You want to con conserve the body, but then again, actually, as a as a med medical person and a biologist, you should know that mm -hmm. the influence of your uh, mind is super important. It's an extremely well documented effect in in the, the medical history, the placebo effect. Uh, so, what you believe, what you think, your your mental wellness, uh, your, your your mental sanity is super important on your physical bodily uh, abilities and, and actions and, and also processes. And so therefore, I would absolutely support or even advocate that 
we look at longevity in an integrated way. So we target hardware and software. And a way to target the software, the mind, is um, classical psychotherapy that we have, the classical psycho uh, drugs um, that, that we use. But then again, a new field, which is not so new, but it's just re-emerging because it has been suppressed, um, is the field of psychedelics. And uh, those psychedelics have an incredible effect if you apply them properly. Um, they have been stigmatized uh, quite a bit and uh, right. we are, we're in the very lucky uh, position or time that that happens to, to be moved away. You know, uh, mm -hmm. the, the stigma is hopefully getting cleared. We are also in, the, in Switzerland in the lucky position that we're in a country that has never been so strict and quite liberal about uh, all of those substances after all. LSD has been invented in Switzerland and uh, psilocybin has been synthesized for the first time by also Albert Hoffmann in uh, uh, Switzerland. Wow. Uh, the, the research in the field of psychoactive uh, substances uh, and, and also mm -hmm. psychiatric treatments in Switzerland is, is super strong. And so therefore um, that, that has you know, gone on for quite a while. Then there, there are a number of other countries like the UK, like the Netherlands, where uh, you have liberal frameworks where, where it's possible to do treatments under supervision with uh, medical um, staff. And uh, obviously, there is a huge uh, movement in the US where certain states are now um, allowing or liberating MDMA and psilocybin. So uh, a lot is happening, and this is a gigantic market. Uh, and that's and also, I hope, you know, to. Now, to become very philosophical, that um, mm -hmm. we can use those tools to advance humanity. The, the reason we are in the position where we are, you could say also the shithole where we are, uh, mm -hmm. you know, with, with the climate and, and the population and everything, is mm -hmm. because we have invented technology. Without that, we have, would have never been able to develop as far as we are now. So I believe um, we will keep inventing technologies and the technologies will also bring us out of the misery in the future, but only if you use them wisely. And uh, the, the, the decision maker is here, that's the mind. And if we are able to elevate um, human consciousness a bit, or at least uh, prevent sickness and disease from happening, then, uh, and, and hopefully with the hope and help of uh, these kind of psychedelic drugs, then uh, that can be a huge benefit and boon to, the, to humanity. That is, that is my belief. Right. And we are talking all, of, uh, all about this because, of course, from an investment perspective and trying to also to, to tap into your investment mind for, for the ones who are listening here and from the community, uh, it's, it's important to identify what are the fields, what are the trends uh, that we can leverage from a VC perspective. And timing is super important. That's why you're saying longevity is coming. It's a huge market. Psychedelics is coming. It's a huge market. But we need to be able to find out the right timing and have a different mindset to, to tap into, into that opportunity. Is there any other fields or uh, that you see that that could be important uh, in the present or the in the future or it might be too early at the moment but you are 
uh, tracking it um, very closely because you can you see opportunities uh, there. Like fields besides uh, the, the discussed areas e now. E exactly, exactly. Uh, those are, those uh, are the two that you are more passionate about. That's, that you, a, that's yeah. already quite uh, ahead of the curve already. I mean, obviously there is uh, really super interesting stuff happening now again, I believe in the field of nanotechnology. Yeah. Um, that actually, by the way, is an example for a field that has peaked at the Gartner hype cycle and uh, the hype is over, but now it's coming back and it's coming back for good. Um, so great example. Yeah, I believe I believe that is that is a field where I see more and more very interesting stuff happening and the material sciences and so on. The field which we are very passionate about is food, uh, food technology. Um, but that is, yeah. you know, like the first generation of novel food stuff has gone mainstream, completely mainstream, overhyped. Now it's coming right. the second and third uh, generation. Um, and that's going to change our, our way how we eat and, and, and consume quite dramatically. Yeah, and I know this is a very open question and very difficult to, to answer, but it's much more a, a common reflection or a conversation between both of us. It's, it's kind of finding out the timing, right? Because um, we want to invent the future. And of course, we started by speaking about the importance of uh, developing the European ecosystem of having more uh, confidence about uh, our capacity or the capacity of Europe to generate innovation and, and to be able to have the returns here and to be able even to attract the best talent um, to Europe. We, we kind of fought, um, about, again, building the future around the areas of longevity, psychedelics, food technology, uh, nanotechnology, we have been talking a lot about it uh, before, as you said, and it's now maturing and maybe it's the right timing. So being able to balance this building the future and really generating innovation, but also um, finding the right timing to, uh, to start the journey or to start up uh, and to invest on, on, on that innovation is a very hard thing to, to do. Do you feel that kind of uh, challenge when, when you are um, making your investment decisions to understand maybe this is too early or maybe this is the right timing but uh, or, or maybe or maybe this is too early but if I, if I don't get in maybe I'm losing a big opportunity kind of the fear of missing out uh, issue and I'm, I'm just picking you a little bit on, on your investor mindset because I think it's also important for founders who are listening to also understand the investor perspective when 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 they are building their businesses, because of course it's very important for founders and investors to be able to partner and to align their thesis, right? Yeah, absolutely, super important to get the timing right. And uh, the the two topics that I touched on, uh, longevity and psychedelics. I mean, we are still trying to figure out what is the right positioning and the right timing. It's not like we're just uh, investing right, left and center into these uh, fields. We're trying to figure out exactly what you said. When is the timing right? You know, you have a number of different components that need to be right. Obviously, there has to be a technology which needs to be able to do what you want to do. Then there has to be the society or the, the, the customers that want to accept the products and use them. And then there um, is regulation. 
especially in the field of psychedelics, it's super important. Uh, you can have the best uh, treatment if if it's illegal. Then obviously right. you, you have a, you have a big issue. And to bank on uh, regulatory changes is a very bad proposition <laughs> for a startup. So you always have to have exactly. a proposition that could happen when the regulatory changes change happens. But up until there, you need to be able to have a different business model, which will keep you alive. Just saying uh, uh, LSD is going to become uh, legal in Germany. That's why I invest in LSD companies. That's not a good proposition right. there. So the timing right. is super important and um, there are several waves. I guess uh, what, what you mentioned is, I think what we kind of do sometimes, uh, we get our feet wet in order to figure out uh, when is the, the field really lifting off. Something, I mean, maybe to just uh, illustrate that, what we are doing yeah. right now at Red Alpine is we have started to develop our own biomarker panel mm -hmm. with uh, uh -huh people in the company that want. So we take the blood of the people, we test the biomarkers and we track the biomarkers. So, and then we do lifestyle interventions okay. and we check, did the biomarkers improve? Amazing. And so we're not waiting for somebody to do it. We're doing it ourselves such that uh, we are walking the talk and we're getting into the field and understand what's really going on. We're in the fortunate position to do that because we have medical doctors in our team who can do that, for example. Amazing. That's one of the, the great advantages of having a, a really broad spectrum of people. You know, we have people from Rocket Internet and Goldman Sachs and we have a physician. Uh, we have two medical doctors and we have a physicist from CERN at our team and we have uh -huh. biotechnologists. Wow. So we have really a super broad, very deep scientific expertise. Yeah, and I think that that's one of the complexities of, of the um, health life science uh, sectors. You need to be able to, to bridge uh, people from technology, product, business, uh, the medical fields, uh, research fields, as we especially when we are building the future. And you are doing this from a, a perspective of just testing, getting to know more uh, as a curiosity for being able also to access in a better way the theses that come to your door um, or also on a venture builder perspective, just to, to better understand the technology, right? We don't do venture building. Um, it could occasionally happen uh, as a side uh, effect of, of what we're doing, but it's not about venture building really. Yeah. Um, we have actually, by the way, it's not only in, in, in life science that we do this. We also do it, did it uh, with uh, crypto. So right. before we started to invest with the fund, we built up a small team that screened the whole crypto space and started to invest our own money into cryptos uh, just in order to understand everything, uh, wow. what's happening there, just, just in order to understand the positioning. Um, so we, we, we and, and obviously also, uh, you know, when it comes to plain vanilla software stuff, we have software builders and geeks that understand uh, software. Uh, so we always do not want to just look at it from the sidelines. We want to be in the center of it. Right. 
Before we, we go into the final segment uh, of the show, uh, we'll just also pick your brain in, in a classical question. Of course, um, there are podcasts that talk about this all the time, uh, but just some thoughts on uh, after 16 years or 20 plus years, looking at uh, business opportunities, uh, investment decks, founders coming with a dream, uh, to start or to scale um, a business, what what are the common mistakes that you keep seeing again and again and again uh, that founders should be aware of, especially for the ones who are doing this for the first time? And I would even say, be tempted to say, for the ones who are doing this for the second or third time, it's much easier to see stuff uh, from a observer perspective than uh, when we are on the on the driver's seat. Sometimes. We know that stuff, but we still make that mistakes uh, when, when we are driving the, the car. Of course, if we are observing the cars driving, we can see, oh, this is clearly uh, a mistake and, and, uh, and it is not helping uh, this person. The most classical mistake, which is still being done quite a bit in uh, the Germanic area is you focus on technology, you focus on innovation, engineering, and you forget about the customer and the market and that this has to be a product which is, has to be absolutely appealing, uh, which has to wow the customer. That angle is still not taken care of well enough. Okay. They believe They still believe we build the best technology and then the market will rip it out of our hands that's just not the case that's that's a common mistake which still is happening and then the, the other mistake which i you know only kind of repeat what i said before um it is about the people so don't compromise on on your hires the people you work with it's right. that's that's the biggest differentiator by far and maybe don't be afraid to have a smaller team and having uh, more experienced people and when when we are talking about experienced people are not people with uh, amazing titles but people with a lot of experience that are able to be uh, very and so on it depends if we are in the builder or the scaler uh, stage but uh, anyway some, sometimes it, it's it's better to to really and of course, as founders, we need to be able to attract the best and we need to be bold in, in that sense and to not feel uh, in danger because someone in the team knows much more than us about the certain stuff. And, and of course, especially to build the future, we need to be quite comfortable with that because if we don't have the, the most intelligent and smarter people around us and if we don't feel them all the time about the field that we are working on, uh, because our job is much more being able to make that team collaborate and be aligned with the vision and, and, and keep repeating, repeating, repeating the vision and discovering the vision without micromanaging, but at the same time, building a platform that allows those people to thrive. Yeah, somebody told me once, surround yourself with giants and you become one. And I think that's exactly what we have to do. Uh, and, and I think something which is also super important you need to have crazy people. So people who are really going Love for it. the moonshot and not just people who are telling you what's not working. Uh, you have to have also a couple of people who yeah, are rooting you on the ground. That's important as well. But 
you have to have the, the crazy people. Exactly. And uh, definitely that kind of mindset or skill, it's something that we can teach uh, people to have. So it's better to, to really identify and, and attract that, that kind of people. Uh, definitely. I love that one. And so, so let's go into, into the last segments of the show where I ask you a, a quick uh, question and you give me a, a brief answer. So if you would have the opportunity to have a coffee with uh, Michael Siedler of 2006, of, of six, sorry, I'm always saying 2016, it's 2006. Uh, what, what advice would you offer to your younger self? Yeah, I mean... That's also something that I learned from somebody else. And uh, I think it's super important to, to know that. So if you want to go surfing, you can only do that when there is a wave or when there are waves. So you can paddle around as much as you like. You will never surf. You have to have waves for that. And that means you have to be prepared to catch the wave when it comes. And there, that's, that's the most important thing you have to do. You have to prepare yourself. Yeah, obviously, you can get to somewhere where waves are, but without the wave, you will never surf. So there are extrinsic factors that are uh, influencing your career quite a bit. And uh, by uh, negating them or not yeah, looking at them, uh, you you just uh, will burn yourself up by paddling around. Love it. Uh, the importance of timing again. Uh, what are you the most proud of on your journey so far? I think, you know, I'm not coming from an entrepreneurial family. Uh, many of my, my family members, my uncles, parents, are teachers um, and I'm kind of proud that I managed to free myself of the corporate wheel mm -hmm. and had the, the courage to really do what I wanted and follow the passion. Uh, that, is, that is, I think, something that I'm quite proud of. And in parallel to that also was building up a family. So wow. it's a kind of march in parallel, but... Uh, I was, I'm in hindsight, extremely glad that I did it. Sometimes I feel that I should start with the questions uh, in the beginning of the show, because I, I always have the temptation to uh, do follow-up questions when I ask these kind of questions. Because I, again, I, I'm thinking definitely about the component of the family, and we are speaking more and more about that in the show, because it's super important for anyone uh not only for the for the founders but for any person for the investors uh also the investors are also founders in a certain way i'm, I'm just imagining when we were speaking uh raising uh a, a venture capital fund from lps in 2006 uh it, it, should, it should have been a little bit crazy again a lot of grit uh involved and a lot of conviction uh involved which are definitely uh, founder skills uh, at the art and sometimes uh, founders forget that uh, investors also need to go through having their thesis, preparing their fundraising, uh, being able also to serve the founders and serve the LPs 
uh, and align the interests of uh, of both to to build big businesses and also to have the purpose to impact humanity but less reflections and next question is uh worst advice ever received it that, that was a tough one uh, uh when i prepared for this question and uh, i guess the, the worst advice that i received is that you should try to be normal <laughs> that you should try to fit in uh it's really bad because if you're normal you're like everyone else but if everybody wants to be special so in order to be special you must not be normal and so therefore uh no, no I, i'm certain it's the same in where you grew up but uh, at school uh, you have to fit in you have to be normal uh everything which is which is an outlier is, is bad i i would say curate your strange sides um uh, and 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 be not normal and then you you be you're, you're successful love it and now into the resources uh your favorite book and it can be business non-business as you wish that's your decision yeah uh, you know you, you know that i'm around for quite a while uh, so therefore i also have a classic a very old one uh that's uh, I, I, you know a non fiction book it's uh, Stephen R Covey the seven habits of highly effective people Love i it. think it's yeah. it's a uh, classic and for me it was an eye opener in many uh, many ways and then there is one that i'm quite now right now devouring and this is um the power law from sebastian malaby mm-hmm. it's it's uh for every vc and for every investor uh an extremely interesting book because it's telling the history of venture capital since maybe the 70s uh, with all the anecdotes and the, all the the background stories um coming out of silicon valley going to china europe uh, it's it's super interesting if you see it all in connected and in context mm-hmm. Love it. Great one. Just wrote it down uh, to, to check it. Favorite movie or series? Yeah, I'm not so much a movie watcher, but I when I do watch stuff, then I like smart, maybe even strange science fiction stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so like The Matrix or Interstellar, uh, that's 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 what i like i also like documentaries really a lot um but again you know it's not i'm not watching that many movies and series always i keep watching the first two episodes and then mostly <laughs> kind of it's history repeating or at least rhyming exactly so again more interested about the future uh uh kind of the science fiction and uh, and, and research uh, sounds great and finally sure. finally your favorite podcast excluding this one <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i mean yeah there there are not, nothing out of the ordinary i like the tim ferris show i like uh andreessen horowitz a16c right and then there is there is one that i uh, listen sometimes it's um on the field of uh, meditation and, and stuff like that it's called 10% happier by dan harris 
Um, I think it's uh, it's pretty cool because it has a very sober viewpoint from from uh, an American person uh, looking at the facts and demystifying everything around uh, meditation, but still, uh, you know, uh, basically advocating for it. It's, it's pretty interesting. Michael, uh, thanks so much for making the time. It was really a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It was great fun. And uh, let's do it again in five years or so. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I would say let, let's do it uh, in, in, in one or two and keep uh, following your, uh, your updates on, on what is the future uh, of tech and of innovation. Uh, we hope you have enjoyed the, the podcast in the sense that we have uh, presented a, a much fresher perspective about uh, the view of an investor about the future, his passions, the, the trends that he sees, the right timing, some advice on, on some of the common mistakes that entrepreneurs uh, do, and of course, uh, always reflecting about um, our careers, our lives, uh, and what we can do better. See you soon and keep scaling.